2: Pod. <laughs> Pod Diva. Hello, I'm Roxy, the editor of Diva Magazine, and in this week's Pod Diva, I chat to the amazing actor Amalia Holm, who stars in hit supernatural drama Motherland for Salem. Set in a female-dominated world, this very popular series features witchcraft, a really diverse cast... And, best of all, an epic queer love story between Scylla and Rael, played absolutely beautifully, by Amalia and her co-star Taylor Hickson. In the conversation you're about to listen to, Amalia opens up about the incredible power of fandom, the explosive chemistry she and Taylor have, and how playing Scylla taught Amalia how to be a better flirt have a listen and then grab yourself a copy of the January issue of Diva to read our exclusive interview with Amalia in full well thank you so much for chatting with me chatting with Diva where in the world are you at the moment I know that you're you're filming yes thank you Roxy it's
3: uh it's an honor that you guys wanted to to talk to me I'm in the middle of filming Motherland salem season three so i'm in vancouver canada
2: amazing and obviously you cannot give us any spoilers at all although obviously i'm desperate to ask for all the spoilers okay. so without giving anything away are you enjoying being back on set with the gang so much um i must say
3: in a way this season more than ever the first season was was amazing because it was so new and to see Elliot Lawrence's world building and to develop that working relationship with Taylor Hickson, who I play opposite of. But this year is something special just because, as cheesy as it sounds, we've become a little bit of, of a family. It's it's good to see people that you've gone through things with and there's just this connection the, the connection isn't really connected to the normal connections you make in the sense of a personality trait, or whoever you, you get along with. We've always gotten along, but now there's just a sense of familiarity that's really wonderful.
2: Absolutely. And you've been on this wild ride together. You've all been, you know, involved with this incredible show that's had so much love, rightly so. And particularly your character, Scylla and Rael, like the romance between those two and the the storyline that you and Taylor have played out so beautifully, Scott is all hooked. That has captured so many people's hearts. So what do you think it is about that particular relationship that people have, have felt drawn to? Well, I, I hope to
3: think that it's an authentic connection between Taylor and I. It was very easy to do what we were there to do. We were both focused on our own uh, characters and, and making them come across. But because in season one, especially, we had all our scenes almost on our own together, so we had a wonderful working environment to really let that relationship grow and to get to know each other as actors and and co-workers and friends. I wonder if maybe that played through, but other than that, I would credit it all to the writing and the high stakes of that relationship. Because when, we've, when we meet them in season one, the character, Real, she's pretty much ready to give up everything on the front lines because she's so disappointed with what life has given her and that her mom was taken away from her from the military. It's kind of on the same path, but working for another cause that she's very passionate about at that time. The question is just, is that passion really connected to the cause or is it connected to the only way of living after her parents were taken away from her as well from the military? So I just think that there's a dynamic there that I I think might be the thing that that people are enjoying to watch, which is these two people are finding a new uh, sense of meaning for life together in love. It's not a non-toxic relationship to start off with, which many relationships aren't. Um, I'm not too involved in it, but, you know, talking in terms of trauma bonding, which in this case really cultivates a a beautiful and respectful uh, conversation eventually also a beautiful and respectful relationship between the two of them. I don't want to spoil too much about season three, but I think that is kind of what you can, what you can summon up from the end of season two as well.
2: Let's go back to the start with this. So do you remember like when you first got the script and when you read the lines for this character and you saw what the show was all about, do you remember how you felt about that? What it was that drew you to it? I remember I was back in Sweden. I'm from Sweden, Stockholm, and I
3: was at home and I got it. And this was in a row of not of doing a lot of auditions and I never got any. And I didn't see how this American pilot would be any different. I'm like, well, I'm not American enough. Like, it's not not going to happen. It happened to be that I did the audition, just having the uh, audition scenes. And then I read the script, which was in a way very good, because then Sometimes when you read a script, you just, you want it so bad. It's hard to focus and do, it's hard to do a natural effort because you're so focused and you you want it so bad. I, I think I read it after having done the audition. In a way, I was then falling in love with it after having already done my shot, which was then uh, luckily what they wanted.
2: And did you audition? Did you read with Taylor or did you meet each other after you'd both been cast? So we met, I think it
3: would we called a screen test in LA that I flew in for and she flew in from Canada. I guess the ambition was to set the biggest five characters in the pilot uh, at that, on that day and we were reading for the studio and all. First we would go in on our own with the casting director and read in front of these people at this little mini amphitheater and then I went for lunch with a castmate who ended up being a very close friend of mine. Uh, it's Demetri McKinney who played, and plays Anacostia Cotermont. When we're sitting at lunch, we're both getting the call that we've gotten the role, but I'm going back for a chemistry read. And that's where I get to play with Taylor. So before that, we've just met each other like in the hallway or in the bathroom where I was frantically trying to straighten my hair or something because my, my manager told me like, straighten your hair for this audition. And I'm like, okay, it's the most valuable thing, I guess. That's what I'll do. It matters more than anything. So yeah, I remember we met in the bathroom when I was doing that in the background, <laughs> weirdo. Yeah, and then we had our chemistry read. It was very, very natural. And Taylor was very sweet because she had been kind of occupied. She had one of her friends there who was also going up for my role. So I think she was pretty focused on having that chemistry in place or, you know, that's natural chemistry. So then when we got in the room, we hadn't really talked. And so in front of everyone, she's like, so you're from, you're from Sweden? You know, just trying to make a connection, which was so wonderful. (laughs) But when we got into the scene, it was just a very natural dynamic. Because what what the dynamic is supposed to be in season one, which is funny, because it changes later on. And I love that. I love that Elliot is giving us that room to play with, is that Scylla, you know, she's kind of mysterious in the sense that she's not very open about her intentions. And Mm -hmm. she's kind of like the rebel trying to recruit another rebel that dynamic is, is funny when you do it like that with someone you've never met before because that's kind of the tone that sets in your off-work relationship too then. But eventually, shooting the pilot, we of course got to know each other better. There was more scenes to work on.
2: I mean, one of the most enjoyable parts of the show is the chemistry between you two. Like, it's just gorgeous. Like, you really do. The two characters and the way you both play them is just fantastic. And so do you feel that as an actor, is that something that naturally, like, you two just sort of have the chemistry that makes it work? Or are there intentional things that are part of your craft that you do to create that?
3: Well, the thing is, I don't think I've, ever felt as natural chemistry as with Taylor um, in any love relationship I've done on screen, I must say. And that is partly because the script resonates so well with both of us. So when we're doing our characters, they're kind of, they're synced up in a sense. So it's brilliant writing in in the, that relationship. We both charge all our scenes quite a lot to make sure that um, not one moment is missed. I think we're both like romantics and have a very like love oriented way of looking at life. And therefore we, we got a lot to put in there. Uh, we projected on one another. And then a lot of the time, I remember at least in season one, I was pretty actively thinking like the things that weren't scripted, such as you know the extra looks, looks or keeping the eye contact or taking it slow if she's hurrying up, just to sort of, it's not to get someone off guard but rather to rustle each other's energies. What love does in in real life. When you have chemistry with someone, it's not just that you're synced and you can like have a banter. That's a wonderful thing too, but it's also something about like, you almost stop in your step because there's something inspiring you or yeah, that you're kind of hooked with. And so I would like just work really hard on trying to get Taylor's attention. Like if she's looking that way, is there something I can do to like, hey, look at me, look at Scylla. Yeah, I would definitely give that that effort, a little credit to
2: everything you're doing is working. It's very <laughs> very good. <laughs> it's very good, and it's such a treat to see as a as a queer audience member. It's such a treat to watch. And I remember just from the first episode, like I remember being almost startled by how quickly the romance and the affection and the chemistry, how quickly that all, you know, I could see it playing out in front of me and I could see love scenes and I could see flirting and, and romance and everything and that was so gorgeous because you know we don't often get to see it and when we do we normally have to wait a heck of a long time before we uh, <laughs> before there's there. teasing and then there's just holding hands <laughs> yeah, exactly but this was so it was honestly it was such a pleasure to have it just kind of really shamelessly in the best possible way like just shame-free celebrated it's a Gorgeous big romance, and you're gonna you're gonna get to see it. I love that so much.
3: I mean, I, I love it too because it was knowing that and having that as the pilot episode. There's no other way you can move with it, right? Elliot gave us such treats, so that we already knew how we moved with each other in those kind of scenes. So we could just keep that, and that is sort of creating memories for your body. You're creating intimate memories you know how you wanna behave around the person and you know that like, oh, being close to this person is a safe space or we're, we're really looking out for each other. And, and it's the place where you can allow and make your body uh, move in certain ways to create, you know, feelings of lust to the extent that you wanna show. And then of course, you know, intimate scenes are never ever sexy <laughs> or anything like it. It's the, oh, because of, you know, a lot of people that are standing around, you're gonna have to redo it in the exact same way. And it's about the light, find the light. I'm like, oh, I was trying to find the kiss. No, find the light. I credit Elliot's writing too, like wanting to, to go all the way already in the pilot also helped set the tone for our relationship. And it, it must've given the audience some kind of a positive bias too. You'd mm-hmm. to be like, well, if you have this in episode one, we're gonna believe you for the rest of the season. So we kind of got that for free too.
2: That's such a good point, because as soon as you two were having a lovely time, I was like, well, I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kind of conscious of how special it is for queer audience members to see this kind of representation, to see a queer romance that is, you know, it's the, it's a central love story in the whole thing. You know, a story where you're not killed off in the first episode. It's not queer baiting. It's, it's not all these negative things that we've come to kind of expect from a lot of the TV we watch. Is this something that you think about? Is this something you're aware of? 100%. That was something I was aware of before getting on the show too. Uh, i never
3: played que- uh, queer characters before, even though I haven't been watching the hundreds, for example, that much. I did watch it. And I do know about, you know, the Clexa and, and the disappointment of that. And that was, of course, not the first one. It's hard to know, like, when did I uh, get involved in, in that? Or I would watch the L word a bit as a kid and just understand that I was special. It's so obvious that the representation has been awful throughout the years, which makes sense because there's such a heteronormative society. And Everyone in power has been hetero and they've just been playing their stories. And yes, I am conscious about it and I'm really proud to be part of it. And I really just want to do it justice among so many other wonderful queer stories that are displaying right now. I love to see it. And I, sure, it might feel for some people like, oh, there's, there's so many right now. Does there have to be so many? There are not that many they're not all taken really good care of and they're not all really curated in a way that's would love and that's all around authentic. So I, I think we still have not had enough to to compensate for all these these hundred years. You know, there were there were great career stories back in the day too, in ancient Greece and, and so on, but not to the modern mind, like not in our modern history.
0: Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm.
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: I love the, like, witchcraft element. Like, I love that there's these... You know this exploration and this portrayal of witchcraft and of that kind of female witchy power. Like, I'd love to get your perspectives on how how excited you were about portraying that part of it and the way that the show does that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't.
3: I call myself a witch uh, in the sense that I have a lot of like you know friends, and especially on the show, there's a bunch of witches like behind the scenes, especially okay. in the hair and makeup too. I love so, that. Amazing. Yeah. For, actually, for me, one of the big polling points were, were to play a terrorist. At the time, I was studying at university political science, and uh, I was kind of reading on kind of systems and authoritarian regimes and and how anti-colonialism rather than post-colonialism, like that whole theory of when, when violent uh, retribution is, is justified and I was really, really excited about that. And like, how do you justify doing what this character does? That must mean this oppression is so fatal and you've seen so much darkness. It's been so detrimental that you you have to make this uprising. And then that it's all in, the, in the, this amazing, uh, fantastical universe. For sure, I, I have a fascination with witchcraft, you know, a means to show the morale of a story There's definitely a very very thought through aspect of that that is that women haven't been able to make their voices heard throughout history for a long time now. To to make that the core of the magical working, I thought was brilliant. I've always been interested in the way someone's voice make you feel or or make you look at them. And that is definitely something we, you know, subconsciously
2: um, acting around. I'm so interested that you were studying political science when you, when you got the part. So is there an alternate universe where you are being a political scientist, a politician? Like, talk <laughs> about that.
3: I finished my, my degree last summer. I'm definitely very interested in it. It was such a cool thing to study. Growing up in Sweden, getting a degree and working don't have to be a mutually exclusive because your, school's for free, even university is free. And there was definitely ways I could I could do it as it was supposed to be over three years, but I could do it over four years because whenever I got a job, I could just leave school and then come back. I don't know if that counts for being a political scientist. I still have my master's degree, but I'll probably get somewhat time in the future. But for now, I'm I'm so happy to be working with with acting. It's what I love to do. I but it's feel that it's a privilege and I'm I'm not expecting it to last forever. I'll always have the joy and and love to to do it. In a sense, you know, I've been joking when I was younger, especially, because I was a bit involved in in youth politics in Sweden and that, you know, politicians are actors and it's all about the, like, how can they use their values and their words and their charisma to kind of make people believe what they're believing in and then actually vote for them. So I wouldn't say that it's such a far fetch really between the two. And I would also say that I kind of caught interest in acting and politics at the same time around 15. And I was in this amateur theater group that was just wonderful. And I I feel I owe everything to that, would do very political plays like um, Animal Farm by George Orwell Mm -hmm. and The Good Person of Szechuan. To me, they're kind of intertwined. Acting is something I, I do so much for myself. It's really an act of selfishness that I allow myself to do this because I love it so much. But hearing the feedback for Motherland has then meant so much to me because it, this was also a way to try to, to change the world a little bit, to help people rise into <laughs> their true selves and, and be, be free in the world and hopefully inspire change in different ways.
2: Well, it's true because you say, in your words, that acting was kind of a selfish thing because you just got so much enjoyment from it. But the impact that this story and this character has had on people like there is a political element to that that's made a marginalized community feel seen feel celebrated feel represented and feel very entertained it's had this bigger this bigger purpose this bigger impact and it's it's just incredible. Like when you look into the passion of the fandom and the things that they have done, it's remarkable. Like I was checking out all the fan art. I saw when they got a billboard in New York. Like it's insane. It's fantastic. It's gorgeous. How do you feel about when, when you see all this, this enthusiasm and this love from the viewers? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel forever grateful.
3: And it also makes me feel my ability to channel uh, the intention of this script was working because I know that this show was created from a marginalized perspective and for people to see themselves in, for there to be a brilliant story and empowering people to, you know, stand up against authority. I know we have a lot of fans in Brazil as well mm-hmm. uh, who are especially attracted by that, those elements of the story. But yeah, it's, it's really hard to... to uh, uh, to find myself in, in this whole thing, because in a sense, I would say the motherland and also the Silveriel relationship, they have their world of their own, a dynamic that I'm just playing a part in, but their relationship is so much bigger than that. And that's what we see in all the fan art. Like all these people have wonderful interpretations of what their relationship is and what it could be, what it has been, some fan fiction as well, which just means I've been really lucky to play such rich and dynamic characters. But that's not all of Zilla um, collective contribution of everyone on set. I I, I don't know what words to use because there's something along like I feel insignificant in it, but at the same time I understand that what I was able to to contribute with did have an impact as well because you could have done it another way. Hard to know if the other way would have been better <laughs> or worse. You would never know. This was the casting choice that was made, and I was—I'm just really lucky to to be along for the ride. And I'll, I'm doing my best to make sure this—it's as much of an authentic and real portrayal as possible.
2: And did you get to see the billboard? to New
3: York, with the fan? No, art? I mean, yes. I mean, I saw the—I saw the videos of it. That was just gasping <laughs> and just giggling. I guess from the craziness of it. Yeah, I can't believe they, they do those things to celebrate the show. And at the same time, it makes all the sense, right? Because I do I do really feel like Zilla and Riel's relationship. It's a b- great case of representation because it's not trying to be perfect. It, this relationship allows them to be two full people who make mistakes and forgive each other. I, I definitely agree that it has been toxic at times. All relationships on screen are kind of supposed to be because it's part of the human experience and i i just love that it's not easy going it's not a boring love story but it happens to be two females it kind of also makes all the sense that there would be a billboard up there so you know i'm, I'm conflicted in that it's like what how is that happening and then <laughs> of course it's happening like of, of course that's the case because they're they're amazing and they chose to to see our show as Something special, and you know, to me it is special. But I'm really glad that other people find it special
2: too. And have you seen all the stuff about um, fans trying to get the show renewed beyond season three? The Save Motherland Fort Salem campaign. That we actually had a, a fan who wrote an article for Diva about that because they were so passionate about, you know, how incredible this show is, what a great job you and Taylor do, and how much they wanted it to keep on going. What, what are your thoughts on that campaign? We're just grateful because we're
3: kind of de- dependent on them right now. I really hope they succeed with their goal. You know, it's a story I love doing. It's definitely the best job I've ever had, just in terms of character, the work environment. I, I really hope they succeed. I'm just very, very happy that, that they decided to, to put their energy into this and that they love the show as much as we do.
2: You and Scylla, how much
3: do you think you have in common? How much do you relate to her? That's a heart. Like if you would have asked me in the first season or in the pilot, even I would say nothing because I felt so far away from her. I really felt like she was teaching me how to flirt, which was awesome. Like she made me braver. She made me like in her shoes. I can just do things that I would, you know, feel embarrassed to do. And like, she's got much more of a stern look maybe, but also stern step. There's this decisiveness to her that I don't, wouldn't say that I have yet but maybe that's there, something uh in the patch for me <laughs> maybe that's where i got it from you know the more you learn about a character the more situations they go through the more human they become the more it's not it's hard not to relate to them in season one Scylla was in the very peculiar situation of working for a terrorist group trying mm-hmm. to extract this girl that she was supposed to seduce and she falls in love with her and she. Imprisonated and sent off to die. (laughs) I I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend that I know how I would act in those situations, that I would act as gracefully or that I would act in that sense. So, whereas since, there's been nuances of of her actions and her dreams that I can relate to much more. Um, And, you know, all along, all she wanted was to to live a peaceful life where her, her status as a witch wouldn't be a hinder for her to live the life she wanted to be. And I can relate to that, just wanting to not be limited by any sort of external uh, status hierarchies or or power dynamics and (laughs) wanting to do your thing without getting prosecuted for it. (laughs) Um, I definitely had to bend my mind to relate to a lot of the things that's all was going through because I haven't been in that sort of urgently threatening situation or I haven't feared for my life in that sense, but there are definitely things growing up and mentally that I could uh, use a lot from yeah I guess that's what we do and then we just hope that it it resonates.
2: (laughs) Side note I love that Scylla taught you how to flirt like how great that (laughs) if you can like (laughs) just try it out and just learn how to do it from such a such an excellent flirt as Scylla that's fantastic. Right (laughs) yeah I would
3: personally fall into a bit of um yeah feel a bit uncomfortable and Scylla's just so comfortable with it. Mm. it's like she's never done anything other than that like these long looks so you're like oh I don't dare to look that long like to keep eye contact in that way is not that gonna look I'm gonna look like a creep it works for her
2: <laughs> um I've had such a lovely time chatting to you Amalia thank you so much for speaking with me with Diva is there anything that we've not discussed that you would like to talk about or that you'd like to say to the Diva audience mm. Roxy, yeah, thank
3: you so much for taking the time to see me and for your investment in the, in the show. And I'm so happy that so many people are, are loving it. And especially for the queer representation, because that is the most important thing for me
2: in terms of what I was hoping that this that my participation would generate. And honestly, just as a lesbian who likes TV, like it's such a great relationship to watch on screen. Like it's a real, real treat. So I can understand why, why it's inspired such, such passion and such emotion and such loyalty and excitement among the viewers, because it's just fantastic. You really do a great job. Thank you.
3: Yeah, I. It's, you know, it's just wonderful to be able to put your whole self into great writing. And also, you know, they're always open for us to add more to like make the connection deeper or, but also to add like these little moments of joy. Like I impromptu lifted Taylor up and like swung her around. I'm like, that's a hetero stereotype. I'm going to do that. This is notebook shit. (laughs) It's so playful and they really allow us to go our lengths with it. And I think maybe that's
2: what shows too. Definitely. I love that. I love that you're queering the notebook. Like, I definitely need a <laughs> in my life. Amazing. Pod Diva. Thank you for listening to Pod Diva, queers for your ears, in association with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQIA women and non binary people. Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Diva Magazine. You can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. Share the love by leaving us a review. Pod Diva. Queers for your ears.
0: Pod Diva.